0: Thanks for listening to the Vertical Podcast. This is Jack Cazare. In about 30 minutes, I will be interviewing Shirley Phelps Roper. She is the daughter of Fred Phelps and is one of the more elder members of the Westboro Baptist Church. The Westboro Baptist Church does not really need much of an introduction. They are one of the most controversial and notorious Christian movements in America, Many even dare to label them as Christian. They are seen often in funerals for dead soldiers, holding signs that say, Thank God for dead soldiers. I believe after the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting, they had signs that said, God sent the shooter. They um, are especially known for their hostilities towards the LGBT movement. They often have signs that say, God hates fags. That's one of the more popular ones or fags burn in hell, um, incorporating all sorts of slurs and derogatory terms. Now, when approaching this interview, it was very tempting to construct a hit piece. No doubt many people will see it that way. It's probable that Shirley might see this as a hit piece, and it is tempting. However, I view hit pieces as intensely unproductive. You never really get the content or get the answers to the questions you truly want or have. I might have mentioned on this podcast before, Lex Friedman's interview with Kanye West. Kanye West is quite the psychopath these days, and every interview he has, for example with Pierce Morgan, just evolves into fighting, defensiveness, and just a lack of content, anger, bitterness, all these unhelpful, unproductive emotions. But with Lex Friedman, because Lex is so disarming and takes a rather neutral approach to Kanye, you really get the full wide view of Kanye's world. Now, I'm not really neutral towards the Westboro Baptist movement. I'm quite poised against them. I honestly think the world would be better off without the Westboro Baptist Church. That goes without saying for a lot of people. This is kind of a no-brainer. However, I feel that the more disarming I am, the more we can learn about these people and what they think, how they theologize, how they use reason and logic, though I don't think they do, to construct their worldviews. I am certainly grateful to have the opportunity to conduct this interview. I hope to conduct this with grace, with understanding, with patience, and even though I don't want to, with respect. I will provide a debriefing at the end of the interview. I will record that alone. And with that, thank you for listening to this very special episode of Vertical. This is my interview with Shirley Phelps Roper. All right, this is post-recording Jack. One more thing. I've just finished both the interviews. I'll say the first one cuts off quite abruptly. We talked for a while, and then she said she had to go, and then later on she messaged me and said that it uh, diverged into a conversation that she felt was rather unproductive, we were going in circles, she felt she was going a little crazy, and it was a while till we could get another talk in. The first part takes place in last December, and this second part was just recorded today. February 21st. I will say that I felt I was going crazy in a lot of this. I hyped up this interview for the longest time. I was so excited for this interview. I thought I could actually get something. And now, two months later, listening to the first intro I recorded, the part that you just listened to, of me excited to do this interview, if only I could have known what I was getting into. This interview that you are about to listen to, if you even want to listen to, is so unproductive, is so circular, is such a boring waste of time. I am so disappointed with how this turned out. Not to mention, the audio is quite unforgiving. We recorded it on Skype, and then trying to edit a Skype audio... Here on Audacity, well, after doing quite a bit of open-heart surgery, I just gave up. I don't think it's worth it. Regardless, I said I was going to do this interview. I told so many people. So I feel obligated to release this. Shirley Roper, and no doubt many of the others at Westboro, spend little, if any, time asking the question, how do we know this to be true? Now, near the end, I sort of realize their answer to this. They don't think they understand anything. They don't claim to have understanding or be capable of understanding. Rather, everything they know, everything you know, everything I know, is a gift from God. Any bit of understanding that you can do is done by God through you. If you don't understand scripture, that's your fault. If you don't understand philosophy, if you don't understand hell, if you don't understand sin, well, that's because you're wicked. That's because God doesn't deem it good for you to understand. You are a negative pawn. That is how they think. At least that's what I think they think. Now, if you ask Shirley how she can trust something, how she comes to know something, It is all by God's grace through her, nothing on her own. And this leads to a topic that I've been so passionate about since day one of this podcast. And that is the language we choose to use. If you walk around saying, God has me in this place, or God told me I have to do this, or God anything. We hear this so often in our churches, at our religious institutions. We hear this language so much, yet we never follow it through to its logical conclusion of being a lack of autonomy, a lack of epistemological autonomy within ourselves. The one good thing I can say about the people over at Westboro is they talk like this and they live it out to its full conclusion. I had a hard time in this interview trying to keep the conversation grounded. I wanted to let her talk. I wanted to give her the opportunity to really share her worldview. Because we all know we're curious how these people think. Right? But it really just turns into a rambling of scripture. And if you were to say that that rambling is quite annoying, well, you would probably get told that it's annoying because God hasn't given you the blessing of being so entertained by her rambling, right? This is all this interview is going to really be when you listen to it. It is a consistent flow of memorized scripture, which I will admit, I am impressed she has this much memorized, right? But you'll see me ask, Shirley does not study. The people at Westboro, they don't study extra-biblical people. They, in fact, you'll hear it near the end, seminaries getting this education is not only useless, a a theology degree is not only useless, it's evil, it's immoral, it's wicked. You're leading people astray by getting a theology degree. She'll say this proudly. I've had so many great and productive and exciting conversations on this podcast. And this interview with Shirley was supposed to be my biggest one yet. Not only is the audio slightly botched on this interview, this is insufferable to listen to even if the audio was crystal clear. I champion the value of conversation. I champion the value of dialogue and confrontation and the exchange of ideas and the seeking of truth. I love these ideas. This interview challenged all of that. Many times throughout this interview, I was believing to myself, this is hopeless. There is no form of conversation that could ever get through to this woman. There is no form of dialogue, no knowledge, no idea you could share with her to change her mind. There is nothing. And I found myself being heretical to my religion of conversation. And I had to quickly steer myself back. She is a human And I'm trying to love her better. And I do want to say I have hope for them. I do. I actually someday hope to continue talking to Shirley privately. I'm curious how far this can go. I'm curious if there's any ground that we can make together. No doubt some of the intellectual and dialogue pitfalls of this interview are on me. I should know when to steer a conversation back to the subject. I should know how to ask better questions. I should know how to posture myself better. I'm not proud of who I was in this interview. And for that, for those that come to Veridical for enriching and interesting and exciting and learning conversations, I apologize. I have truly let you down. Now, hesitantly, this is my interview with Shirley Phelps Roper. May God bless our souls. I wanted to start by asking, um, how are things in Kansas?
1: <laughs> Good. Cold.
0: Cold, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, what have you been up to? Any any big updates? Any big...
1: Just weddings and and picketing and baby shower and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. People. Taking care of my people and, and also doing our, our duty to the world to the world to our neighbors
0: mm-hmm. so um how would you how would you summarize that that duty
1: to go ye into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature and mm-hmm. baptize in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and he that believes in is baptized will be saved and he says, and they, he went forth with them. He said, "I, I will be with you always, even unto the end."
0: Um, are y'all particular about the type of baptism? I'm just curious because there's a lot of there's a lot of Christian sects that there's a big debate between immersion or sprinkling of the water. Do you guys well, do you guys lean in a specific way?
2: Well, we, uh, it's so
1: simple. I just don't understand why there'd be any. It's so so simple. You just do what the scripture says to do. And the scripture mm. says they go down into the water together and they, and they put uh, it, th- of course it's immersion. Mm. Of course you're supposed to immerse. They're supposed to both be in the water and they're supposed to, uh, he's supposed to go under the water.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I can already tell this is, I'm, I'm going to learn a lot here. Um, but I'm curious about if you could just give me uh, your position uh, at Westboro and and sort of, if you don't mind, just for people that might not be familiar, if you could give a brief uh, history of Westboro Baptist.
1: Uh, well, uh, Westboro Baptist Church was a part of the Eastside Baptist Church. And um, when they started this, my dad was here and they asked him if he would be the preacher at the Westboro Baptist church. And it was in November of
2: 1956
1: hmm. that uh, it first, the first service was November of 1956. And then um you were there. Then, no, cause I wasn't born until October of 1957, hmm. but I was there the next year. I was there before the first anniversary.
0: Hmm. How many people did the church start out with?
1: I, you know, I don't know. Hmm. I know. I know that there were people that were at Eastside Baptist that came over here. But when my dad was preaching, um, you know, uh, against idolatry and um, um, human institutions as a part of your religious service,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, anything that was not scriptural.
2: Yeah.
1: He he uh, preached against any of that. So Christmas and any any of the things that are man-made in the name of God or in the name of Christ. That's not that's not permissible. Yeah. We're not supposed to change one jot or one tittle. We're not supposed to change the word of God. We're not supposed to add to it. We're not supposed to take away from it.
0: So forgive me here. Um, th- there's going to be an obvious throughout this interview. Um, you're you're not unaware of the controversy surrounding the church. Um, no one's really new to that. Um, none of these questions are designed to be sort of gacha questions, but
1: no, um, no, don't don't worry about that. Okay, it's, good, it's all good.
0: Okay, well then, I think the first question would be if the original text of scripture were written in uh, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Wouldn't an English translation already be seen as a change to God's word?
1: No, no. God created language and he is capable, perfectly capable. When he said to go into this world and preach the gospel to every creature, he's going to give you the means to do that. He doesn't tell you to do a thing and then make it impossible to get the job done. So I'm here's what you have to, what you're doing is you're going forth in faith. You believe God, you trust him, you go forth in faith. So you know that what he's provided is sufficient. He is sufficient for all things, all times, all places, all jobs, everything. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, just do it. And mm-hmm. once you start getting all contentious about whether or not uh, the Lord is able to keep his word, to keep his word in this earth and to make it so that you can understand what it is, it says the secret things belong to the Lord your God. But the, the, the things that are revealed belong to us and our children so that we can obey So if you don't understand something, it doesn't mean that it is a problem because uh, it means you don't understand it. Just say that. Move on.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And ask the Lord to help you. He says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who uh, will tell you. And he doesn't chew you out for asking. Mm -hmm. So he says, if any man, it's James. James. It's in the book of James, which is a very short book and very important at this hour. But it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, God who giveth to all men liberally, liberally, and upbraideth not. Mm. He'll He'll answer you, and he won't chew you out for asking.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, if you don't mind, you, you clearly have a firm and robust understanding of Scripture. Um, you, you certainly have more memorized than than most Christians, um, which has me curious if you don't mind sharing, um, do you, you, I know, I know you were raised in the church, but do you have a distinct moment in your life where you would say you came to faith, you, you had an authentic, genuine grasping and understanding of salvation through Christ?
1: Uh, a, a, a a one moment?
0: Yeah. Hmm you think it was gradually just around the age of like seven or eight you began to
1: i was when i was nine i was baptized okay and, I, and what i my think my overarching um thinking when i was if i remember correctly was that i understood that there was only salvation through christ and that i understood that i didn't want to go to hell mm-hmm And I understood that uh, being a member, you know, I I can't I can't tell you everything I understood at that point. But I can tell you absolutely that all my my understanding was little by little.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel that's how that's how most people. Yeah. Hmm. Um, So your dad was Fred Phelps. Um, Can you kind of describe him and his vision when he started Westboro?
1: His his vision, no, his motive, his work. Hmm. He didn't start Westboro, but he was the first preacher, hmm. and um, his 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 goal, if you would, or his mission, his incentive was to preach the gospel. And was that's that how a
0: so? I th- I think I remember there was a story about a Parker or a public space, and. There were rumors, or maybe cases of child trafficking, or or, or threats to children, or or uh, just an oh. unsafe environment. Do you okay. know what I'm speaking of?
1: Yeah, that came later. There's a park over here, not far, half mile from. In fact, today at noon we had a picket there, and it's the called Gauge Park, and it's at 10th and Gauge, and um, it. Uh, it, it, they have a, an area they call the cruisy area <laughs> and um, people would go there and it was a homosexual, um, you know, it was a place where homosexuals went to have sex and it was hmm. um, anyway. So, but also they would go there and they would lure children. They would go in the bathrooms when the kids were having ball games We heard, we heard a lot of stories. And then the day came when my dad went there to, he was on, uh, a bike ride and he went to, he would cycle out ahead and double back. And one of my sons was with him and he was a little guy and, um, the guy, when he turned around to head back down this road that goes through the park, he saw the guy coming out of the bushes and. Uh, when he got there, he, so he wrote a letter to the mayor. I mean, you understand his presence prevented anything further than just the approach. Hmm. And, and so uh, he wrote the mayor and he said, this is unacceptable. And uh, so the mayor wrote back and said, yeah, and I had cleaned it up when I was park commissioner, but it's been allowed to return. And and we'll do something about it. Well, then they didn't do anything about it. Weeks and weeks passed, and my dad would go up there, and finally the mayor said, enough. You know, they would, he would, they would get angry, and he said, you're sitting around like last year's Christmas trees um, doing nothing. And it's oh, all this indignation. You called us a tree. You called us names. You understand? You're calling us names. He said that you're sitting around like last year's Christmas tree. It was just a pretext. They were tired of him coming and said they were going to have escort him out, have hmm. the, uh, the police presence. that's always at the city council meetings. They're there. to, And so we're going to escort you out. So we, were, we, we left and we were always quiet and lawful, just like what you saw when you saw us at that picket. Mm-hmm. We just go and we do our business and then we go. There wasn't any rabble rousing going on. He, they just didn't want him to keep coming up there because, you know, my dad has a, he, he's, he's smart and he's well read and he speaks well. He speaks, he's a public speaker that, you know, I, when I would try cases with him, it, I was always taken with the fact that of the way he did and the way he tried cases was different than most people, his approach. He just, he was very smart and he would do things that would, he had an ability to get to the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. A- and so, and whenever he would go to do his closing arguments, the courtroom would just simply fill up because he had a reputation uh, for his closing arguments were always exceedingly interesting.
0: Like poetic almost.
1: Yeah. And he would, you know, especially when in doing the civil rights cases and he would quote the Bible and he would because, of course, the scripture has a lot to say about that, that God is made of one blood, all all nations to dwell upon the face of the earth. He's made of one blood and one law shall be to the homeborn and to the stranger that sojourns among you. And so, and then Lincoln said that this nation cannot long endure half slave and half free. Mm -hmm. And out of the Plessy case that the heirs to, uh, you know, he he knew a lot of, he he had a lot of words and he knew how to speak them. But anyway, so they kicked us out of the city council meeting. And so we went, that's when we started picketing. Mm -hmm. So you can, we can talk to you here or we can talk to you there. And of course, when we started picketing, we had a a reality check. It was a stiff learning curve. Mm. All of a sudden things happened and it was not by, it was by design. You realize that it was by design. And so um, there were, uh, there was a thing afoot that was well underway already before we got there. And so anyway. So I don't know why.
0: Well you mentioned uh, trying cases. If, if I'm correct you you went to law school, right? Yes. Where where at? Washburn. Okay. Um did you have a reason for that or did you just were you just really interested in law?
1: Uh, no, I was interested in the work that my dad was doing, and I never thought of doing anything else. Hmm. It when I've thought about that, and I thought, wh- what point? No, I just always knew I was going to go to law school.
0: Hmm. Um, were you a practicing lawyer at ever at any time? Yeah, I. And you took I, took the bar exam and
1: everything. Yes. Wow! Awesome. You got, you got practice with that, but see, then and then I got married, and then I had eleven children, and then I. You have eleven started, children. Yes, and then I started <laughs> being focused on a lot more, uh, a lot of different kind of work, which was in helping with this ministry. And so,
0: you know, so so what's your current role at the church? Do you guys have designated roles?
1: I'm a member. Just a member. Yes, I mean, uh-huh. there are no designated roles except the members, and then the elders that we. Uh, that we asked to. Mm-hmm.
0: Are you guys egalitarian by any chance? Or do you guys allow female mem- uh, for female elders?
1: No. No. No women preachers. Let your women work, learn in silence. Mm. When the church meets, the women don't speak. We sing, but we don't get up in the pulpit. We would not dare do that. Mm. Mm. I suffer yeah. not a woman to preach, or, to, to preach or to usurp authority over the men but to learn in silence. Because the woman, because Adam was first formed. These are the reasons, and Paul gives them. Because Adam was first formed and because Eve was deceived in the Mm -hmm. transgression. And like it or not, and like it or not, women are more easily deceived than men.
0: Mm. Um, I think you kind of answered my my next question there, because regarding that, I would say when it comes to a lot of the ordinances and commands in scriptures, such as you know, don't kill, don't steal, don't be greedy, don't be lustful, whatever it is, um, it's easy for me to trace real world implications for why God um, established things like that. For example, you know, where God you know, or, or Christ speaks quite often about, about money and, and this greed and this love of money. When I look out into the real world, I can see that people that are overly obsessed with money live terrible, miserable lives, and they actually neglect a lot of their emotional needs. And likewise with murder, that's an obvious one. You you take someone's yeah. life away, they can't experience it, and you know, you're denying them access to, to a prosperous life. Uh, but with the scriptures that speak against women in particular roles in ministry— that was always quite confusing for me to see why or what but are these? If, you,
1: if you were paying attention, it would not be hard for you to understand that
2: hmm.
1: when you have women uh, running, running their mouths about these spiritual matters and they're easily deceived. Who do you think is deceiving them? Do, do you understand that Satan has a hand in this earth? Mm-hmm. Have you have you ever read the book of Job? I have. And so you understand at the very, f- right out of the chute, here, here is God speaking with Satan. And where, do, where he says, I've been walking to and fro, up and down in the earth. Hmm. And Peter says he's a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, whom ye resist steadfast in the faith. You resist him. And one of the ways you resist him, if you're a woman, is stay in your lane. Don't go and try to presume to do a thing that God has not authorized you to do. It will never go well. And it says that the, that and it, he gave you the reasons. He gave you the reasons because Adam was first formed. And Eve was deceived in the transgression. And if you understood the marital relationship. That it is, it is a, 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 a type or shadow of Christ and his church. The man is the head of the woman, even as Christ is the head of the church. The woman does not account to every man, but her husband or her father. Now, you can like that or not. You can call yourself a feminist, and I will just tell you that you are a rebel against God. You can do any job in this earth that you have the goods to do. Keep out of the pulpit. It is not a job. It is an appointment from God Almighty. He is the one who decides in the same way that he appointed Moses. And he spoke to him from the burning bush. Unless you get crystal clear, he says, I didn't call these guys, but they ran anyway. These lying preachers will tell you what you want to hear for filthy lucre's sake. So you don't have any sighting of God on the landscape. Sometimes we will have a sermon When you have the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have the elders appointed by the people who in truth, the lot is cast. You understand the lot is cast in the lap, right? But the falling out or the result is the Lord's. Hmm. Hmm. So when they cast lots to decide who was going to take Judas Iscariot's place. They put two people up. Only one of them was appointed by God, but they they did a thing to satisfy the eyes and ears of the people involved. We'll cast our lots, but God will decide what the outcome is. It's like going into all these voting seasons, all this blah, 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 blah. The decision has already been made. So, you know, go ahead and go cast your vote. It, or don't cast your vote. These days, I, I don't vote for any of these uh potato-potato rebels against God. They're all the same. They're all in full-on rebellion. The, the nation is heading to her destruction and literally at a gallop
0: now. Has, has there been a politician in uh, any recent years, who you've seen as worthy of your vote?
1: No. Mm. And, and that, it's not that they're not worthy of my vote. It's that they don't have anything to offer anyone. Mm. It, nothing. Mm. Nothing to offer. So, but I love watching the falling out of the providence of God with respect to, let's just say, when Donald Trump was elected, because it set off a rage among the rebellious women in this country. I mean, he has the capacity. You talk about a nation of lightweight snowflakes. All he has to do is open his <laughs> mouth and say a couple of words. <laughs> and, ah! It's just, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. And so when you start seeing all these things happening and you think this, it's, everything is on fast forward now. This Mm. march to the destruction is on fast forward. And so now you watch this thing unfolding where the more they mess with him, the more, the more, I don't know who these people are, but it's, it's the Lord. Mm -hmm. He said he'll put it in all their hearts to, to fulfill all of his will. And so I'm like, wow, this is just so amazing to watch. So, so, and that, yeah.
0: I'm curious because I remember when we spoke in front of that hospital, um, I remember just a quick little interaction we had regarding uh, free will and autonomy. Um, And to this day, I still um, fall on the side of believing in free will. Uh, But a common argument uh, against the Christian notion of free will uh, involves elections. Um, So for example, people would say, if you Think election results have been predecided? Um, what does that say to individuals' autonomy? Who go? In, you know, people that go and they they choose their vote.
1: Um, do you, do you understand my question? Yeah, they didn't choose their vote. They just went in and did what they were appointed to do.
0: So, if if I you know, for example, if I went and I voted for for Joe Biden or. Um, he, here it was, um, Beto O'Rourke for our for our governor. Um, I was appointed. Yes. To, to,
2: hmm.
1: so, and, and and while you go on about your free will, all you do is dig your own grave. Hmm. I mean, and I and I don't necessarily mean your actual grave, but I mean you dig a hole for yourself. Hmm. You start talking about I have a free will. And now you've got a lot of accountability. mm Hmm. If you are going to say that I'm the one making the decisions, now you're going to have to explain yourself. What? Why? Why did you vote for Joe Biden? Mm-hmm. Knowing that he, thou shalt not kill, and this sucker has got done as much as he possibly can do to make sure that there are as many dead babies in this country as you can possibly. I mean, the blood flows in the streets. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Joe Biden is at the top of the uh, heap. And you voted for him? Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Hmm. And, I, and don't think me, You in that sentence, it's like one of my sisters used to say, you understand that the 13 of us, 11 of us, went to law school. Oh,
2: so wow.
1: I have this younger sister who would say, just finish that sentence. She was telling some, I think, I, I don't remember who it was she was telling. I think it was a client that was offering up some unlawful piece of conduct. And she said, in that sentence with your honor. You understand? So you explain, you give me an answer, but you answer it with your honor, your honor, uh, your holy God. Your, You understand if you can mm-hmm. even speak, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's the Lord. And then he's going to call you to account. Now explain that answer, but finish the sentence. You do it as unto the Lord. Everything we do, we should be doing as unto the Lord.
0: I'm curious because the reason I've I've often viewed free will as essential to uh, most religions is because if God, you know, I, I imagine if, if, if God created people who were pre-programmed, they were predisposed uh, without any decision within themselves as soul-bearing people to love him i've often viewed that as having much less value if someone was able compared to if someone was able to freely choose to love god um you know if if i build a robot and i design this robot to love me
1: okay so let me how
0: real how real is that love
1: yeah here's what isaiah says in prophesying about the Lord Jesus Christ he has no form nor comeliness that any will desire him he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him there's not anybody going to be interested in loving god and being obedient to his commandments when you've got a uh when you have not been supernaturally or quickened Exercise. We 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 love him because he first loved us, not not because we are good. You start looking around for some person who's got goodness in them. You are in for a long, long search. It'll be a lifelong search. They're in the good. Their people are not good. They're look at, look at this generation. Just look at these young people that are coming up. When once you've got the good for nothing curse, it's Jeremiah 13 and you get down to verse 10. First, he tells him, go get, take this garment and put it in the, bury it by the Euphrates. So you understand you're in the water table now.
2: Hmm.
1: Then he tells him a long time passes and he says, now go dig that up. And what do you have? So he digs it up and he says, well, it's marred. And it's profitable for nothing. So then the Lord says to Jeremiah. This is really good. You ready for this? He says, this evil people. See, he says this, this garments profitable, profitable for nothing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. And he says, so then he says, thus saith the Lord after this manner. Will I mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem? This evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, shall be even as this girdle garment, which is good for nothing. But it's the good for nothing curse, and you're looking at it. But so when you have didn't
0: they- Weren't they destined to walk away from God? Weren't they How can they be held accountable for something that God pre-programmed to do?
1: Listen to you. You just said you believe in free will.
0: Well, yes, I do, but I'm saying under your assumption.
1: Well, th- those are people just like you. The masses of mankind are just like you. If without without the mercy of God to give you repentance, it's a gift. Hmm. If he will give you repentance, then you're going to understand that you're poor and blind and naked and miserable and wretched. Mm. And that you need, if you're all good, why do you need a savior? Well, you've no, got free will, why do you need a savior?
0: That's that's not um, really what I'm saying. I don't think it's a it's a strict binary. Um, oftentimes I feel when I'm arguing with Calvinists, for say, they often say, well, what do you have to say about... Um, god's uh, divinity his his righteousness his um supremacy if you have free will and i believe you know it's it's actually it's explicit. called
1: it's called his sovereignty
0: yes yeah his sovereignty uh exactly and and but i've never viewed that as something that's lost when you give people free will. And I also don't see. Say...
1: Wait a minute. There can only be one will in a, in a moral universe. Don't you see that? Let's just use what you know in front of your face.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you live in Texas. There's mm-hmm. a law in Texas. that says, no, that, uh, that says in effect, thou shalt not kill. And mm-hmm. if you do, you're going to die. You do some first degree murder, you plan a murder and you execute someone, you're going to die for it. Now, isn't that the law in Texas?
0: We, yeah, we still practice okay. the death penalty.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but hear my question and follow mm-hmm. this. Do you get to decide whether or not, who's the sovereign in the state of Texas? It's
0: in one sense, state. I would say, oh, okay.
1: The state is the sovereign. The sovereign told you thou shalt not kill, and if you do, you're gonna die for it. Mm-hmm. You've got a moral, you've got a government, you've got a system of government that gives you the rules, the laws, and then your job is to obey them. And if you don't, there's consequences, right? Mm-hmm. The sovereign speaks. When you kill someone, you it's not that person's family versus you. It's the state of Texas versus you, because it's their law that you have offended, just like God. Mm-hmm. You think it's a coincidence that they, that every human understands the sovereign and an ambassador? You go as an ambassador from this country to another, you had better deliver the message of your sovereign
2: but who I think, sent
1: you over there. Now, wait a minute. No one asked you to think, hun. This is what you know. You know this is the rules. Mm-hmm. Now, this generation, being full of rebellion and full of their own selves, thinking that the world revolves around them and it is all about them, and don't you dare say anything I don't want to hear, thinks that all of these laws and all of these rules are on the table for disposal at their will. That's why you can turn bring up your Twitter account and see some... S- godless pile of human phlegm walking down the street, passing by a person who's leaning against a building and doubles back behind him, walks up behind him and shoots him in the head. You can see that Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's shocking. It's not a movie. It's a dead person laying there. He dropped like a bag straight to the ground. That was murder. But that guy walked away. And a lot of people walk away because that is the curse that God has put upon a nation that he is destroying. This nation is going down. And if you haven't figured that out yet, I suggest that you broaden your view beyond this esoteric discussion about whether God is sovereign or not, and whether wicked, rebellious man has got a free will, because what I'm telling you is that the scripture teaches And so you need to go over to Romans 9. And the question that he asks is, Paul says, you're going to ask, why does he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? And the answer is, nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Can the thing formed say to him that formed him, why have you made me thus? No. No. Our job is to obey. Man's job is to obey God. It's a it's such a blessedly simple arrangement and the blessings that flow from it are amazing. But not not for this generation because this is that generation spoken spoken of. I just tweeted this this morning because some poor group of teachers led by one put out a TikTok about how awful and they call them Gen Alpha. They've got a name for each of these little generations. Gen Alpha is on the scene in all their vile. And it says, there is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that is pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are swords and their jaw teeth are knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Now, I was reading that again recently, and all of a sudden, dots connected. You know how I told you it's little by little? Mm -hmm. And, And I had been reading also in Revelation 19, which is the days that are coming upon us so rapidly. And in Revelation 19, you get to the past, a whole bunch of other stuff. And now you're getting to the battle of Armageddon. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. And it goes on and it talks about that. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife. She's no longer called a bride. You need to be thinking right here of a proper marital relationship of a husband and a wife. Christ and his bride, which is his church, and his wife hath made herself ready. And she was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. That righteousness is not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. And he said unto me, right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Okay, move on down past that. And you're going to get down to. And I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. We're talking about the battle of Armageddon here. You you understand? Hmm. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had the name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was was clothed in a vesture, dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God, which should take your mind immediately to John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So sometimes when I'm referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, comma, the word, he's the word. Everything you read in the Bible, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the word. Mm -hmm. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. This is his church. This is his bride. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. You understand what goes out of your mouth? It's words. And he said, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of God Almighty. And that should take your mind over to Isaiah 63, the first several verses where he says, who is this that cometh up from Boswell? It's a little colloquy. It's a question and an answer. He said, it is, I, it is I, and I'm coming in my own strength. And he says, why are your garments dyed red like you've been treading in the wine press? He said, because I'm going to do this all by myself. I see that my people are helpless, but the day of vengeance is come and the year of my redeemed that now go back to this. He's treading the winepress. He's doing this his own self. And he hath a vesture, and on his thigh is a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice. Now, remember where, how we got over to this passage. The, the birds plucking out the eyes of the rebellious children who won't obey their parents. Saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God. You know the marriage supper? This is the marriage supper. Call those birds forth, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sat on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Does that sound like everyone? Yeah. There's nobody left out of that list. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse. This arrogant generation thinks they're going to do battle with God Almighty Mm -hmm. and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone and the remnant, besides the beast and the false prophet, were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Hmm. Now, that's what you ought to be thinking on and talking about and engaged in, with everything you have and understanding
0: that sort of leads to a big point this is sort of the pinnacle point i wanted to discuss with you because it's been a point that i've been pretty curious about and that is uh, epistemology how we come to know and how we come to believe things because um there's you, christians we rely on um the scriptures pretty heavily and we there's do. only
1: one way you know something and there's only one way you believe something. And, now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is the command here. So you've got those apostles with the Lord Jesus Christ and they're arguing over who will be the greatest. But it says right there in the passage, because it had not been showed them yet. It had not been showed them the folly stand around talking about who's great and who's not. They all came to understand the folly but at that time they did not understand it had not been showed them
0: but but here's my my point is this you know for the past you know, 43 minutes there's been a very uh, robust reading of scripture but my my point stands of how have you come to know, that the scriptures that you read are reliable.
1: I'm so happy you asked that question. It's what I just said, but I'll say it more plainly. (laughs) You don't understand anything unless the Lord, your God gives it to you. You don't get anything. It said, he said, Peter, who do you say I am? The Lord Jesus asked, wait a minute. And he said, you are the, the Messiah. You are the son of God. And he said, flesh and blood has not shown this to you. But my father has shown it to you. Flesh and blood isn't going to be able to get you to understand anything. But they can't. It's kind of a it's like a conundrum. You're not going to understand it if you don't have a preacher. How can they understand? That's why it says, beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them who bring the gospel of peace. That's why he said, go into all the world. See, you don't know where the elect of God are, so you do what you're told to. He uses people to talk to people, and you don't know who the elect of God are, so you do exactly what he said to do. You go into this earth, and you preach this gospel to every creature because That's what he uses to give you saving faith. He sends people to talk to people, and at his will, he gives them understanding. So,
0: but surely you wouldn't be able to make these claims if it wasn't for your presupposed um, belief and trust for the scriptures.
1: And I'm so thankful to have my belief and trust in the scriptures and I trust God and I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have faith in his blood that it is sufficient to cover my sins.
0: So, but here's one thing that's been interesting to me recently is, um, yeah, I would, I would say I'm a Christian and I would say I trust and and, and read and, and do my best to practice the Bible, but, Um, When I look into the canonization process of scripture, it gets quite shaky for me because. Yeah, um,
1: because you you don't believe God.
0: Well, no, but it's because the scripture was formed over, um, you know, through the second, third and fourth and fifth centuries.
1: And you don't trust God. Well, you don't trust God. You don't believe that um, he is able, that God is able to keep his word. No, I don't. You think don't it's believe that, that I, he's. Yeah, I, you think people are stronger than God. You think they've got more power no, that I don't. they can. And you think Satan is going to get in there. He's going to be able to see. Athaliah thought that. Do you know who Athaliah is? No. She's the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Who? But I don't. For some would... unbeknownst reason, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, married his son up with this wicked woman, Athaliah. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to have the Lord is going to come through the seed of David. So now you've got the king, the kings of Judah coming through the line of David and you can track them. Everyone, I've got a poster out here that's got both to Joseph and to Mary. They all come through David. They're both from David's lineage, but. Athaliah thought she was going to upend that. And I don't know if she herself thought that that's what she was going to do, that she was going to thwart the prophecy of God, or if it was Satan working in her, energizing this simpleton woman, this easily deceived woman, into and his purpose being to thwart. So she killed all of the seed royal. But uh, Jonadab, no, not Jonadab, um, it was the priest who was married to one of the daughters of the king. He, they, they, us grabbed up that baby, that tiny baby and hid him until he was six years old. And then they took the kingdom back from Athaliah. You can read about that in Chronicles. You can read about it in the books of the Kings. But my point is that you're not going to, upend or thwart one jot or tittle of the word of God. You're never going to be able to outfox, change, or otherwise mess with God. He will have his way in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of men, and none shall stay his hand, nor say unto him, what doest thou?
2: Hmm. I, I,
0: I and I, But I want to backtrack here and all those things you said. I thought or believed i would say i, I don't believe those things um
2: well, i
1: don't I'm, I, I'm sorry i'm very sorry i wish you did but I well no, no no
0: no no i'm saying i don't believe those things that you accuse me of believing so i think you said i i, I think said you I'm, don't
1: be, i think you think you don't trust him you think
0: well, yeah and i would say i do trust him and I would well, also then you
1: s- wouldn't be saying i'm not really sure whether or not these
0: humans were able to
1: screw with the words
0: well, no, but I'm saying, you know, the scriptures were. Compo- this is this is historically <laughs> agreed upon. Um, that
1: over the history, dude. Let's let's talk about some real history. Let's go over here to First Peter, well, where he says all yes, scripture <laughs> was given by inspiration of God. Now, if he can inspire these men to write the words down, do you think he might have the goods to keep it pure, keep it but, good?
0: But surely that. Scripture that you're reading right there, out of um, out of Timothy, um,
1: first Peter, first or Peter. Peter.
0: the 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 words you're reading out of Peter.
1: I, I didn't read them. I just told you that it says it there.
0: Sure. Sorry. That was established in the canonization process in the third and fourth <laughs> centuries.
1: I and oh drat, God doesn't have any jurisdiction over those canonizers.
0: Well, I would, put my, I, I, are you familiar with circular arguments? Like,
1: you know, there's nothing circular about this, but but you don't believe it. That's why you call it circular, because you don't well, believe it. Well, you don't I, trust the Lord. You, if you trusted him, you would say he absolutely had jurisdiction over every step of that process. And not one thing got into those scriptures except what he wanted there. Not one word got into that Bible except what the Lord God put there. Hmm. So, okay, I,
0: I'm I'm often hesitant to use Scripture as a proof that Scripture is reliable. But
1: that's the only thing you should be doing is comparing Scripture with Scripture. Do they agree? Yes. But they that's agree
0: like saying. But that's like saying. Um, I think. I think that's.
1: And all you're doing is expressing your unbelief. That's all you're doing. You don't believe that God is sufficient to keep his word pure. You don't believe that God is the one who appointed these words written in his book. You don't believe. That's all there is to it. uh, It, I would would say I do, though.
0: I do. Well,
1: then what are we talking about? Well, I'm
0: curious because I still—let me ask you this. Do you think it's possible— to be a Christian and believe in free will? Like, do you think you no, can still. No,
1: no, 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 no. A Christian, by definition, follows the teachings of Christ. And when Christ made it crystal clear at John 6,
0: but can't you freely choose no, to follow?
1: There is no free will. When he made that perfectly clear to them, it said that many of them turned back from following him because this is a hard saying. But don't you think that you can freely choose? No, I think I'm not going to be one of those John 6 rebels who walks away and says, I'm not having this stuff. I'm in charge of my salvation. I'm the one. I got the goods. I'm doing it. Hmm. I'm not going to be one of those. I'm not. No, the Lord has delivered me in mercy, great mercy, and I don't deserve it. Hmm. Nothing Hmm. did I do to, to deserve this, but I am so thankful to find that i don't have a quarrel with these plain words of the scripture hmm.
0: Hmm. it's i am worried we, we would just keep going in circles yeah we don't this. need to
1: do that i think okay. it, i think i think my position is crystal clear and i'm pretty sure yours is also
0: okay well i got some questions here that um people submitted they were they were pretty curious uh to your answer to these uh, the first one is, what does it look like to be a peacemaker at Westboro? And uh, the, I was sort of curious as to why they asked. And I, I
2: found this. it in Psalm yeah. 30, Psalm
0: 34, um, you know, kind of orders people to to seek peace and, and not um,
2: and sue it.
1: seek peace and ensue it. Mm-hmm. It means chase it down, chase it down, put your pride away and make. Be sure that you have peace with, particularly, every one of these people that serve God with you.
0: But I think the, the reason also, the person was curious was because they would—they're trying to reconcile being a peacemaker with the supposed um, consistent controversies and um, sort of We anger.
1: are bringing—we bring the gospel of peace. If any, that if any man would live in it and walk in it and love it and do it, you'll have great peace. Don't make mistake the fact that there is no peace. It says there is no peace for the wicked. There is no peace. There's always going to be contentions and conflict and controversy. But you're not getting the conflict from us. You're just getting the conflict from your hatred of the word of God that you hear us deliver in your ears. Don't, don't try to gum those things up and say it's our burden mm-hmm. to seek peace at any cost. It doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. It says seek peace and ins- pursue it, ensue it. In other words, that's talking about, look, blessed are the peacemakers. We are the peacemakers. That's our job. That's what we're doing. We are the peacemakers. You better be sure that you are about the business. Look, you think that we started here where we are today? I guarantee you we did not. We know, I I grew up with 12 siblings. You think we didn't know how to do some scorched earth? But we would not dare do that today. My highest priority every day is to be at peace with my beloved brothers and sisters that walk this path with me. These people that are here, from sunup to sundown, from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed, is how. And if I have any form of something that looks like a conflict or a distress or that I have caused an offense, I have one priority, and that is to chase that down and put it right. Hmm. I don't care if they misunderstood me. It costs me absolutely nothing to apologize, whether I intended to do a thing or not you don't need to explain just make it right Mm -hmm. and and Um, anyone who wants to be called a peacemaker is going to have that attitude and more
0: um i was uh, this is a question i had um and it's do you feel that the resistance you get from outside groups uh do you feel that that's an affirmation that Y'all are doing
1: the right thing. Well, I feel that it absolutely has to be. You aren't going to get to the end of a nation that's on its path to destruction. You think that the Lord is going to send us out here on these streets for over 32 years, telling this country that America's doomed, that you're going to go every step of the way. We've started with you keep going down this path, you're you're you and you're going to have same-sex marriage. It came on like a juggernaut. This country is marrying Sodomites. And we warned you that that was going to happen. And everyone knows the story of Sodom and her destruction. Everyone knows the antediluvian world was destroyed in the flood. And if they pretend they're not, the scripture says they're willingly ignorant of the fact of the flood and of the destruction of Sodom and all the rest of the scriptures. Willingly ignorant. The very earth testifies to the sovereignty of God and his power.
0: But right there when you sorry to go back to an earlier question but you said they're willingly ignorant.
1: That's Doesn't what the that, scripture says.
0: But does that not imply a will?
1: Willingly ignorant. You're going to say that there is no this or no that. No, you're going to keep turning it into a free will discussion. And I'm going to tell you what the scripture says. You're willingly ignorant. Mm. You want you want so bad why do you need to have a free will? Mm. Why would you even want to have a free will at well, this like point?
0: I, like I said earlier, I think that gives a lot of um, responsibility, which you said was a kind of a mark against it. But I feel that that then gives the, especially in the theological sense, the love that I would have for God, because I freely choose to pursue God and I freely choose to love God and read his words. You're not pursuing
1: it. God. You're not pursuing God. Uh, I would say actually, This yeah. conversation that we're having does not demonstrate a person who is pursuing God. Mm. It demonstrates a person who's looking for a way to wriggle out from under the plain words of the scripture. You mm. don't love God. If you loved him, you would love his word. If mm. you loved his word, you would be seeking to understand it sincerely, not mm. with a question, uh, with a view of, can't I make this scripture say something different than what it says as plain as the nose on your face?
0: Hmm. Do you guys have, over there, there's, I, I sort of have multiple prongs to this because these aren't necessarily my, these obviously, I can never take credit for these uh, ideas. The notion of free will um, is a long Theological tenets yes, tenet, yes, uh, yes. the kind history of, like, of ecclesiology, but I'm curious. Like, do you guys at at um, at Westboro is there a specific you know, church, a, a tradition in history that y'all study from? Is there a is there a particular church father that y'all study? Is there anything? No, that, no, nothing.
1: Like you guys. And why don't, would we study it? Why would we do that when we've got the when we've got the scriptures. Now, if you mean, do we refer to some of the writers that believed like we believe to help us to understand some who have who have spent way more time than we could possibly spend? They were not standing out on the streets holding signs to a nation that's headed to their destruction. So they had a lot of time to read Josephus and all of those old writers who can yeah, help yeah. you understand context of and his, uh what was going on in the earth right in front of them and can help you put some, you know, fill in some blanks that you're missing that, that gets in the way of being able to understand something. Hmm. So if you mean, do we ever refer to any of them? Like that? Yeah. I got, I got a lot of books where I can go and look up something, hmm. but they don't set our doctrine. The scripture sets our doctrine. And uh, Pink, he wrote some good stuff, good practical stuff to help you. You understand there's doctrine and there's practice. And sometimes you come to a situation that you don't have life experience to, and you listen to an expositor. Like I remember listening to John Bunyan uh, on the, the Acceptable Sacrifices, the name of the book, and I would recommend it for any sincere soul who he's he put he's I'm reading along and all of a sudden he's talking about the dove and he gets over to the Song of Solomon and opened up a thing for me that I had not understood some it's so it, it's it's just a wonderful
2: is there any thing.
0: interaction with uh Augustine or Thomas Aquinas or um, no no
1: not me not me
0: mm. so Back to my question earlier
1: really about... But I'm just me. I don't mm-hmm. know about anybody else. Yeah. Here, but back to my question on... Um, John Gill. That's who I'd like to... Mm-hmm. But anyway. back, back to my question
0: on if you see resistance as a form of affirmation that you're doing the right thing. My my next question would be that you know, if you do believe that, doesn't that mean a lot of the culture's resistance to you justifies them? Like, you know, for example, if there was another Christian group that said uh, Westboro's outside of our church and they're picketing, uh, well, that, well, we're getting resistance. So that means we're doing something, we're doing something good. Um,
1: Oh dear. What would you say? Okay. To that? So, I say, ha 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 ha. As I laugh that <laughs> that's, that's, um, here's, here's what you, it says, blessed are you. Do you know the Beatitudes?
2: Yeah. Matthew, uh,
1: um, six. Five, yeah, six, yes. and so forth. It says, um, "Blessed are you when men shall hate you and revile you and and cast out your name as evil for my sake in the kingdom of heavens." And more words like that. Uh, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy when they set you at naught, when they uh, separate you from their company. It's got several places in the scriptures. Those kinds of words in the gospels are are included. Now, the question you have to ask yourself is, who hates you? Mm-hmm. Who hates you for the word of God? Us standing outside, uh, to a, going to a place where they clearly tell people, like, for instance, tell people God loves everyone, or you've got a woman preacher, or you've got something that is clearly contrary to scriptural teachings. And they say, oh, we best have done some, something right, ha-ha, because they're out there with those picket signs. No, you, please, you, do you really not see a difference, a distinction between the whole world hating us? They tried to, they bombed us. They've tried to burn down our building, set the building on fire. Uh, do you don't sh- shooting at us? breaking out the windows.
0: What do you have to say uh, though that's, driving that's, their cars? That's God's will though?
1: Of course it's his will, but it also fulfills his word. You but you look, you started in one place, let's stay at that place. Okay. You said, what's the difference between the two? The, the difference is we mm-hmm. don't hate them, but this world hates us. So the question has to be, if you if you believe the Bible and you see the Beatitudes, the words spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ, who hates you? Who hates you?
0: But I would say at the same time, I don't think this is a clear divide just between Westboro and the world. Because I would say uh, at the church that I go to um, here in Oak Cliff, Dallas, um, we are—we wouldn't— boldly say we're presbyterian but we're planted by a presbyterian church and you know we certainly get a lot of disdain from the culture at large disdain
1: um, mm. okay so hun, i have we can we can we take this up and do it a little bit more later because i am kind of run into my next i got to get something i got to get somewhere
0: yeah 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 um
1: i'm so I'll, sorry i no, just no, realized what time it is
0: no don't apologize uh, i'll text you and we can do a part two, basically.
1: Okay. I'll be happy right. to talk to you further, but um, yeah. All right. Brilliant.
0: Thank you, Shirley. I'll okay.
1: talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Hello, can you hear me okay?
1: Yes, I can.
0: Brilliant. It's good to see you again. You too. Doing all right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you're okay with it, because uh, I know you're pressed for time. I just got your message. Um, yeah. Um. I hope everything's all right over there
1: we can pick we can pick back up another time if you want but but
0: um well i'll be considerate with your time here and uh if you're okay i'm just going to start recording and yes go about this um last the last time i think um i might have gotten bogged down or we might have gotten bogged down on um epistemology and how we come to know things and um How we read the Bible, Um, and I don't want to. I I I understood um, why that would have been frustrating, Um, but instead, I would like to uh, still. I'm still trying to um, learn more about how different people read and go about judging scripture or or understanding scripture. Um, Do you mind sharing a little bit? Uh, I have here written down. I would, I would love to know how you guys um, over at Westboro decide when a piece of scripture should be read literally, or allegorically, or or metaphorically, if that makes sense. For example, like when Jesus says, "You know, I am the door." Uh, you know, obviously, we we don't think he's a wooden
1: door. Um, well, then yes, of course, those are times when you know that he's talking about that he's the path or the entrance into but you context is a lot of it and then of course the truth is is that the only way you ever are going to get clear about any of these things is if the lord will show it to you so i don't mean to sound glib or otherwise about that but that's what the scripture says you don't you can't understand anything unless it's given to you to understand and specifically he also says he speaks he speaks in parables so that he says to his people so that you can understand but they're not going to understand because otherwise they would uh, see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand and they would be converted and I would heal them but since he's purposed not to do that since he died for a specific remnant of mankind Who who God the Father, no man can come unto me, except the Father which sent me, draw him. And in John 6, he says, he told them that, he explained that to them. And it said after that, many of his disciples turned back from following him. You know, we were having a conversation last night um, about some of these things that are happening and the way things are going in this earth, because... There is a lot of things that f- fit scriptural, uh, you know, to give you clarity that the drawing of the Lord, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Hmm. And there's no question about that. And there's stuff going on over there in Gaza, that's, it's amazing. So um, we were talking about, okay, I lost my thought because I got so
0: Well, that actually kind of leads into my my next question. Um, I was, I mean, that that makes me curious because one of the things I've written down here is uh, where do you see the church, Westboro, in 25 years? Um, You know, assuming (laughs) the end times don't happen in the next 25 years. uh, Where do you guys uh, gauge the political, the social, uh, the economic climate of America?
1: Well. I can absolutely guarantee you this it's not going to be good. Mm. It doesn't it isn't going to get better. Mm. It's degrading, it's deteriorating. You know, it's um, incredible. There's a passage that says, I, I was looking at it this morning for a, another reason, but it says that a, a whirlwind, a continuing whirlwind, will fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. It says his wrath will go forth. I'm paraphrasing slightly. And and it will not return until it's completed all that he sent it for. There's some spots like that that cause me to, to be in this mind. That when the Lord puts forth his hand, it says that when you see, this is the parable of the fig tree. And in another of the gospels, it says, and of all trees. When you see these things coming to pass, when the fig tree, when you see the buds and the leaves, you know that summer is nigh. Mm-hmm. Likewise, when it when these days, uh, where, these end days, when it's time for the coming of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be like that. And that generation will not pass until he comes. Now, that's not to say that every single person that's in that generation that sees these things begin won't pass. It's to say that that whole generation will not pass before he comes. So it's all, um, but but the other piece of it is that part about the wrath. It, you can't help if, you, if you're watching what's happening with this weather, which every night you've got your national... News people, and uh, that's one of their national stories every day now. Every day. You got last year, you had a storm coming on while the last one was going off the east side. Now you don't have one storm coming on, you've got one over to the west, one in the middle, and one at the east. I said to my husband, Does this constitute a continuing whirlwind that's falling grievously? Upon the head of the wicked. You got California. Don't ever ever forget. Jack Black standing up. In all of his. Arrogance. And all his Hollywood buddies. Making a mocking script. When they were pushing. As hard as they could. To bring same sex marriage. Into uh, fruition. And of course. We knew that they were going to. And that it would be. A yay moment. It's awful. It's wrong. It's a horrible thing that's happening in this land.
0: do think these, these social climates, don't you think they operate as sort of like a pendulum? Uh, don't no. you think the pendulum no. is going to and swing th- back the other way?
1: No. What he said was, mo- and mockingly, he's touting that same-sex marriage will give a whole bunch more divorces. It'll give a whole bunch more. It'll generate revenue. It'll generate revenue. You'll have married weddings, and that means you're going to have all that industry kicked into high gear, particularly with the moneyed Hollywood perverts, which already they have their weddings and their divorces and their weddings, which the Lord Jesus Christ says, as plain as words can speak at
2: Luke 16,
1: 18. If you, marry a per- if you put away your spouse and marry another, it's adultery. If you marry someone who's been put away, it's adultery. Divorce plus remarriage is adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And you get you got to go to Leviticus 18, where he sets the whole chapter, is telling you, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And you get to 1822, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. And then it goes on a little bit further and it says, Because of all these things. The very land is defiled, and it was for these things that I cast out the nations before you. I gave you this land upon the, 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 that you're going to obey, that you're going to obey my commandments. That's what he said to Israel. And then they didn't. And he says, well, and the land will be defiled, and the very land will spew you out. That's what's happening in this country. It's all the scripture says that the things that are happened in the old Testament, they're given to us for an example and for our learning. That means you can look to the old Testament. You can look at those first 10 chapters of Jeremiah and beyond Mm. because those are really solid to help you understand and see if you have eyes to see that this is where America is, but it says it's given to us for our learning, for our example, for our comfort it's an example. You got. If you want to know what's coming next for this country, you just read Jeremiah. You, this country's in a lot of trouble. So when you ask me what's going to be happening in 25 years, I don't see anything happening in 25 years that's good for this country if this country is even still here. The land is defiled. It's going to vomit out the inhabitants. And it already is doing that. Every time those whirlwinds, have you seen the coastlines and the things happening? California just keeps getting smacked and smart mouth. Black Jack standing up there saying, what's going to happen to us? Mocking. God didn't do anything to us for this. We're all good. Nothing's happening. Well, where is Jack Black today? And what does he think about what's happening to California? It never rains in Southern California. That was the song when I was young. Hmm. It Absolutely, they are being totally big, fancy houses along the coastline ready to just fall into the ocean. And every one of these next storms just keeps coming, just keeps coming.
0: So I'm going to, I have a couple other things I want to talk about here. And uh, I i want to preface this by saying uh, these aren't all necessarily my questions specifically. Uh, I'm really interested I, I will say I, I am interested in how uh, you respond to some of these. Uh, but I want you to know that the questions I'm going to ask are questions that I think a lot of people want to know because okay. it's it's no secret um, that everyone views you guys as very controversial and, and very conflicting. Um, and I mean, I don't need to tell you, you're very aware that uh, a lot of Christians in America if you would label them as Christians um, are at extreme odds with Westboro but one thing that I mean just to address the elephant in the room is the uh, my position on on the LGBT this honey Jenny I
1: Go ahead. I'm not hearing you. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Now I hear you again.
0: You can. Okay. I wonder how much i out got there. LG. Okay. So, We're good now? Yeah. All right. Well, the most famous sign or picket you guys have is the the God Hates Fags one. Right. Um, that's the one everyone's – you'll see that on all the, the news posts. But uh, I'm, I'm curious – I asked some people questions that they would want to hear answered, and one of the questions was, "Where does Westboro see alignment with Jesus and their methods?" Um, because, and you've probably gotten this question a lot, but uh, we, I'm curious because when I when I read the New Testament and I and I understand the whole overarching narrative, uh, I understand Jesus warns of hell. I, I understand Jesus wasn't this this hippie. Uh, I get that. I see he's not a hippie. It's so obvious. He's warning, and he's strict, and he's stern, and he corrects, and he rebukes. But in the same in 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 the same breath, he is also uh, dining with the sinners. He's also, uh, I mean, one of the most beautiful stories is the uh, Samaritan woman, I believe, and she's uh, saying, you know, even the dogs eat the scraps on the floor.
1: It's uh, the Syrophoenician woman. Yes, yes. He's- uh, I guess—,
0: I guess a lot of people see a ver- an asymmetry with y'all and they're not seeing any of the the quote unquote the, the dining with the sinners. They're not seeing that with Westboro.
2: Okay,
1: so he didn't come. He came to save the sinners.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So where are where are where do you see anywhere on the landscape who are not sinners? Where in this human where in this flesh? That that means I'm talking about everyone, everyone, yes, yes. all times, all places. Where was there no sin? But I think when they when they say
0: sinners, I think there's of course the general everyone is a sinner. Everyone falls short of the glory of God. But then sinners, I think when he when they say you know dine with sinners, I mean it's the the obvious standout people: the the criminal, the the prostitute, the the uh, tax collector.
1: Who was a prostitute?
0: Um, I, I, I can't think of a specific Bible story at the moment, but I, um, but, but the general notion is that
1: lie Hmm. never spoken in the Bible once is that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. No, no. And, and, and I heard that over and over and over and all of a sudden one day I thought, wait a minute, I've read the Bible over and over. I've never read that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. So let's get clear.
0: Well, take the story of uh, him writing in the sand and, and that, that prostitute, that lady was caught well, in
1: adultery. She be, yes. And so was the man. Mm-hmm. But they, the man out there, or at least he wasn't being brought forth for um, prosecution. She was, but he wasn't. Where was that man? But nevertheless, the Lord Jesus Christ Finished that discussion after he shamed them all and they walked away because they're all what they were doing there was nothing short of let's bring her out and then let's catch him in his words because it's unlawful for us to murder anyone. Mm -hmm. We don't have power because we send away our nation. We don't have the power. We're now under the rule of another. We have to follow the rules of the law of the land. Those who rule jurisdiction we fall under because there's no longer a nation of Israel. We don't have that power. So what they did was they brought her forth because Israel being a theocracy was under the rule of God's law. And if you caught a, a people in adultery, you stoned them both. Both. So they brought her out for to catch him in his words. They didn't give a hoot. About that woman's adultery. Of course not. Yeah. They brought her out so that they could say to him, This the Torah, the Bible says, the word of God is that if you catch him in adultery, it's death. But what do you say? And he said, So he wrote on the ground. I don't, I'm, I don't know what he wrote on the ground. There's mm-hmm. a lot of speculation about it. I don't need to speculate. He wrote something on the ground that shamed them all. He said, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. He said that to them. And then they all slunked away. (laughs) They slunk. Somehow they left in shame. And he said to her, where are those that would, would condemn you? Who are they? There aren't any. The Lord Jesus Christ, knowing her heart and her repentance and his gift of repentance, said to her, and nor do I. Go and sin no more. And he said to another that he healed, go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. Let worse come on you. So let's don't pretend. Why? Here's here's what you have to answer. Two things in the Beatitudes, so-called Beatitudes. It says rejoice when they hate you. Mm -hmm. Blessed are you when men shall hate you and revile you and separate you from their company and cast out your name as evil for my sake, my name's sake. Anyway, so who is it? Who is it that hates you? That's a question you have to answer. And I don't mean you personally. I mean mm-hmm. any person who calls themselves themselves a so-called Christian. First, who hates you? And second, why did they murder the Lord Jesus Christ? You're saying he wasn't a hippie, and you say that you see he was stern and this and that and the other. Why did they murder him? What was the collective hatred? all about, if it wasn't for his plain doctrine, just like our plain doctrine, Hmm. we follow his teachings, we tell you his word, we didn't make this up, this isn't our, we are ambassadors of the Lord Christ, and so we give you his gospel. So you
0: you would say the hate that Westboro Baptist receives is the same texture and flavor as the hate that Jesus received.
1: Well, and he said, is the servant greater than the master? They hated me. They'll hate you. Why do you hate? Why? Why do they, whoever, fill in the blank, hate mm-hmm. us? You don't know us. You couldn't possibly hate us because we've kicked you in the shins or punched you in the face or stolen something from you. You couldn't hate us for that because we. you don't know us. We didn't do any of that. What we did was we told you the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and therein lies the hatred. Uh,
0: Shirley, do you do you know the uh, the origin of the word faggot? Sure,
1: it's wonderful. It's so appropriate.
0: Do you know? It, but do you know what? Do you know what it is though?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a stick, and its characteristics are that it burns quick, and it burns hot so look how amazingly perfect it is for this discussion the the lust it says men with men doing that which is unseemly burned in their lust one toward another doing that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their so the lust that burns burned in their lust is the is the very fire so to speak, mm. that fuels the fires of hell.
0: It, well, it, that the word actually got appropriated to homosexuals during the 1400s, and and the reason it was given on them is because they would burn, you know, witches at the stake, but they would also burn homosexuals, and they said the the homosexuals
2: sodomized.
0: they're not they're not sodomized they're not worthy of a stake. They don't deserve a stake. So they actually used them, they threw them into the bundle of woods. They were used oh. as fuel to burn witches, and that's that. they, they weren't even worthy of a stake. So okay. they said uh, that that's where the, they got appropriated the, 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 the name faggot from. And so the reason I bring this up, but the whole reason I bring this up is...
1: Well, don't forget Sodom.
0: Yeah, I, under, I see the—I was actually cool. reading I was reading Tom Holland's book, and he talks about the, the, the generation of the word sodomite for, for, for the sin of Sodom. But, but the reason I brought this up was because, again, not sharing my position on the LGBT discussion, but when I have a belief and when I, uh, for example, my Christian beliefs, my goal or, or something I'm quite passionate about is convincing people that I'm right— I want people to be convinced by me. I want them to believe what I believe. I want them to hear and, and see the world the way I do. I think we all do that. And so I think when you say the reason I, I'm I'm taken aback by you saying, well, well, this the same hate that Jesus received is the same kind of hate we receive because we're we're doing his doctrine. I it is so you it is possible, I'm pretty confident it's possible to believe that. Uh, homosexuality is uh, sinful, or or not in the will of God, or or whatever. I believe it's possible to hold that belief and still not use a term like uh, faggot or or put that on a sign, knowing its connotation and it's 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 saying you're not even worthy of a stake for me to burn you on. That okay. I'm just going to throw you in with fuel. The Lord Jesus
1: Christ personally. Oversaw the destruction of Sodom. He brought down the fire from heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ went personally to Sodom. And it says that he, by God the Father, brought down that fire from heaven. That burned that entire city-state that's roughly the size of New York and the five boroughs. And a similar population. Babies are being born minute by minute in Sodom. Every one of them perished. And you want to talk to me about somebody's feelings about the word fag? You need to elevate your thinking and elevate the discussion. If that's where you're stuck, you're stuck in the wrong spot. You're not concerned about the zeal for the word of God and for the the sin that has brought his wrath. Unmixed. Uh, I say that knowing it's going to get a lot worse.
0: Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm stuck on the. I wouldn't say I'm st-
1: while the destruction is happening, and talk about our feelings about the hmm. word fag.
0: Well, that's not. I'm not caught up on the feelings, uh, and on this podcast, I'm always very firm on saying, um, you know, at, at any expense of our emotions, we should pursue reality and truth. It's not that, but it's, I prefaced it by saying, I, I, I assume Westboro is trying to convince and, and convert. And, um, at the beginning of our last discussion, you know, you said, you're know, sh- sh- what am I mistaken our job, of?
1: Our job has, is not, we do not have power to convince anyone of anything. Our job is to preach this gospel, how it lands upon the ears of the hearers, And what they do with it is between them and God. Our job is to preach it. If we start letting it factor into our work, how someone is going to receive it or what they think about it or how they like it or whether or not like this uh, psychiatric nurse approached our picket line on the weekend and said over in Kansas City and said i'm a psychiatric nurse these kinds of things right here are what cause people to commit suicide blah 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 and and so what if you wouldn't coddle them in their sin and be a partaker of their sin they might have a better chance of understanding what the lord their god requires of them so that they can get up out of their self-pity and their nonsense and start to put on their big boy pants and have a sober thought about what's coming on them but hmm. nevertheless here we are this is the snowflake generation you understand there is not there are there are three kinds of men in the scripture three words used for men one of them is ish it's god's man and one of them is phileo philadelphia I'm sorry, I'm that was wrong. That's wrong. Uh, what I'm saying to you is, is that when it says that there's not a man among them, it's not because there aren't m- m- male gendered human beings. It's that they don't have, they have effeminate characteristics. It says that children are their oppressors and women rule over them. It doesn't mean, it means actual women. But not only actual women. It means men with effeminate characteristics. Not the manly man. Not the ish. Not God's man. Not the guy who is going to take his responsibility as the savior of the body. Talking about his household. His wife and his children. That man. It's missing in this country. There aren't any. As far as you can see,
0: it's. I think it's just the what, what, what many, and I assume you would find a value in people that go and get um, more um, high-value educations in theology and people that study yes. theology.
2: No. No. no, no,
1: they're the worst of the worst. Okay. Where do you get the idea that they're supposed to go get an education in theology? Do you find that happening? Any theological seminaries in the Bible? No. Well, no,
0: but no. that's you
1: <laughs> to get a proselyte, and you make them twofold more a child of hell than you are. Hmm. You have no authority. I t- I started this by telling you that you're never going to understand anything. The Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty, from beginning to end. He didn't send you. Did you ever read Jeremiah 23? I didn't send them, yet they ran anyway. These guys running around out here for filthy lucre's sake that will tell you what you want to hear so that you will give them a job. This is the job that they want. Where in the world do you get the idea? If God does not give you uh, an understanding of his word, you are never going to have it. Any creature. I watched a Dateline recently. Where this freak, this grotesque creature, was doing one kind of a job and didn't really like that. So he just went over and took up and called himself a preacher. And the next thing you know, he's taken up with some woman whose husband, and they kill him. Of course, that's what they do on Dateline, they kill somebody. That's what this country's full of. Anybody can call themselves a preacher, anyone can do any. But if God didn't call you, If he didn't give you his word, you've got nothing. But if he does call you, and if you do have such a man, such such a group of elders, that the Lord would imbue with wisdom, his wisdom, so that they can feed the flock. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. He doubled down three times for Peter to understand that that is what he is here to do. To feed the flock of God's heritage. And otherwise, you got nothing. There is a famine in the land. And it's not a famine of bread and water. It's a famine of hearing the word of God. It's nowhere on your landscape and you you're just fine with that
0: well i so i'm you know when i got the my friends told me that westboro was going to be picketing the the seminary i was at uh, i looked at y'all's list of places you were going to go picket, and it, it some of them i could see from y'all's point of view why you would pick it there but i didn't understand why y'all chose to pick it um, Dallas Theological Seminary, but also you just mentioned there were no seminaries in the Bible, and uh, I, I want to—I'm kind of a little confused at that. But j- because just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean it can't um, it can't uh, exist. It can't uh, be good, well, you even.
1: You can do anything you want to, but don't dare call it good. You so, can do anything you want to, but when you start picking up, putting your lips around. The word of god when you start taking up the word of god you better be very sure that you know what you're doing
0: so do you, you think better. any do you think any good exists outside the bible or is all good all things that can be good contained within the bible
1: well the bible is everything for get wisdom get understanding it's everything for Your look, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, those things that you can read and understand, they're for us and our children so that they can obey. That's Deuteronomy 29 29. Do that, get get let all of the highfalutin fluffy nonsense. Go. Get back to, focus in on obedience to God. Focus on that. You can understand those things. Do that. Don't dare go over here and look at the the mint and the rue and the cumin. Don't do that. And substitute that for thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not Steal, don't do that because you know what the Lord Jesus Christ said about them. They ignore those things and fo- focus over here on this fluffy stuff. We're gonna have our herbs and we're gonna be sure and tithe on our herbs. Uh, yeah, no, mm. but let me get back to good. You said mm. good, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Why call ye me good? There's only one good, and that's God. So let's be sure and keep that right here, right before your eyes. Only God is good. His word is pure. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the wicked and the evil, and however that verse finishes, that that word, that adjective, nothing is pure. Everything's questionable. Everything's up for discussion. Everything is now the laws of the land. We have no, it's chaos ruling in this country because you have put everything on the table for discussion. Do we like it? Hmm, should we get rid of the police? Hmm. You know, the Lord has rewarded this nation for her folly. You turned from God and now you get chaos, destruction, sorrow.
0: I think you... Uh, just as someone on the on the outside here, I think you misunderstand the posture of people's minds when it comes to understanding um, religion. And, and what I mean by that is, there are people that um, I th- I think of myself sort of when I was you know I wasn't raised Christian, but when I was eighteen i got quite curious about various things and uh, maybe for the people at westboro but but not for the vast majority i would say 99% of all people no one is hearing an audible voice of god in our in our ears and and none of us i i'm, pr- I'm almost certain not many of us are have this clear direction and it's to my understanding, that Westboro believes that all wisdom and all direction is given by God, and I guess I would agree with that. Um, but there are people that are just curious, and and there's such a plurality of religions, and people genuinely want right. to know which one to believe because they all make a very similar claim, and so I think that's why there's a lot of value in. Um, yeah, but but you got it, but you're but you're presupposing someone trusts the Word of God.
1: I don't care whether they trust it or not. That is not binding on God, and it certainly is not binding on me.
0: but for people to, they, to be saved
1: all, look, you're saying what about well, things
0: for, means- for for people to be saved, they 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 they, at least in the Christian worldview, For people to be saved, they have to accept and believe and trust, have fidelity in Jesus Christ.
1: You mean, and then they can save themselves if they just will do all that?
0: I wouldn't say they save themselves. I would say Christ saves them, but... But they're by by them accepting, they're saved, and so well, G- well Jesus saves them. Yeah,
2: all they
1: have to do is accept it, and then He'll save them.
0: Well, I don't think it's just a blind acceptance. Uh, there's a beautiful book called "Salvation by Allegiance Alone," and it talks about you know it's not just an acknowledgement of, of, of Christ as your Savior. There's an allegiance to Him. There's a there's a lifestyle that follows, and okay, I was well, convinced well, by I, that. But
2: but if, he
1: bo- if you or anyone thinks that they can put their hand on salvation that they have any part in the process they are wrong if god does not call you if he my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and the voice of another they will not follow if you think that you have any part in your salvation you are sadly mistaken and you are on the wrong path
0: why do you think he allows people to be born knowing they're not even capable of being of, of calling knowing he's why? not because it because it's not their decision because That's it's right. not by their choice it's That's by right. his decision well it then is. why it's, if these me. people have no no chance why let them be born
1: you you I'm going to tell you what Paul said when someone asked him a question of sim- similar, and I don't, I'm don't, i not being critical or derogatory, but sim- similar impudence. Mm. And I only say that because I can't think of another word for it. In Romans 9, he said, you'll say, why does he yet find fault for who hath resisted his will? Here's the answer. Nay, but O man, who art thou? that replies against God can the thing formed say to him that formed him why have you made me thus in the king's house there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor the cup that the king drinks from and the toilet both made from clay that's the decision God Almighty appointed you either vessels of honor or vessels of wrath. And we have no say in that process. If, however, you look up and you have found mercy, you have been shown mercy, you will, with all urgency and diligence, get up every day looking for what can I do to serve the Lord my God? What can I do within the realm of his word? Not my ideas, but what is in front of me, where where my lot lies. What can I do? If I'm sitting amongst the servants of God, I will be serving them with everything that I have. Everything that he entrusts into my hand. It is for the service of the saints. And that is how you serve the Lord. That there's two facets. You're in the vineyard or you're in the field. If you're in the vineyard, you're dealing with the sheep. You're helping whatever it is that the Lord will put in front of you to do. If it's in the if it's in the field, you're going to be out there with this word of God. The, it says, We go forth and the field, the trees clap their hands. It's the most amazing language in that chapter in Isaiah 55 maybe, where he says, "As the rain comes down from heaven, the rain comes down in the snow from heaven, and it gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. And that is God Almighty who sends his word. It's his word. But that chapter ends with, "So go forth, knowing this. Knowing this, we will go forth." And in, it's a prosopopeia, but he says the trees will clap their hands and the the fields, the mountains break forth in singing. It's a beautiful thing, but it's not our thing. It's his thing, and so that's that's where we have to be looking. All this well, where you start thinking great thoughts. I had a law professor in law school talking about the laws of the land, the rules. It was a civil procedure class. He said, "Don't think great thoughts. Read the rule. Read the law. Hmm. Do well, that. That's where. That's what counts."
0: I know you're. I know you have to get going here, but I. I, I guess I have one. Um, one more question, at least for today. And it's um, I'm, I'm just curious. If I told you, um, you know, I'm a I'm a Christian, I, I believe um, that Jesus came and, 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 and died on the cross, rose the third day, and um, you know I, I believe that and I and I trust in that. Uh, based on what you have heard from me in these past two sessions, um, do you do you think I'm heaven bound?
1: Well, if you, if those words, well, I haven't seen your picket signs, I'm just saying, but, uh, and I don't, and I don't, I'm saying, or anything like that, but you, you're not saying that these are your words, and if, but if all these things that you're raising are yours, um, I would say you're, you, you're, you don't give evidence of a person who's heaven bound,
0: I'm. Oh, no, even though not. even though these are just questions, I haven't even you know, made a statement as much as I have just been curious, and I, I, I guess I one of my biggest obstacles with Westboro is, and and a difficulty I've had in these past two interviews is, um, this uh, like a hostility to curiosity.
1: Uh, okay. I'm not hostile towards curiosity, but if you're asking me a question because you're curious, you don't want me to lie to you, do you?
2: No, of
0: course
1: not. I'm so so. If I if you think I'm hostile, I'm I don't
0: intend. I'm not. No, hostile. not no 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 not right now. But uh, but to other questions, for example, when I asked if uh, about free will, or when I asked about um, you know the the y'all's methods and, and the alignment with Jesus. And uh, I, I especially remember it on the topic of free will was there was
1: because some. That if you uh, that, it, that it's because you don't trust
2: the mm-hmm.
1: Lord. Mm-hmm. So free will goes back to what we just talked about. Look, yeah you either do or you don't. And the way you talk, you sound like you believe in free will and you talk like you did. And what I'm telling you is that's not going to get you any good thing. There's nothing good is ever going to come. The Lord, I mean, I've already said all those words, but to continue to keep pushing at that, it's not going to change the answer and it doesn't change God and it's not going to help you. So I, I mean, we can keep going round and round and round, but all I'm gonna do is tell you that that's unbelief. Mm-hmm. That's hostile to you or mm-hmm. what word was you used, I, I'm sorry, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's, that's. Uh, I would be lying if I said anything else. The scripture does not support it,
2: mm-hmm. it
1: does not support it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word, you could say, command of God. Lazarus, come forth. One of my brothers one day was talking about that Lazarus come forth. And he said, if he had just said, come forth, all those people would have come up out of that grave. He said, Lazarus, come forth. His voice, he's he's God, he's with power. He's with power. Mm -hmm. This is the power. This is, flesh is nothing. We add nothing. We are nothing. If you start trying to make it so that flesh has to have a part in their salvation, you're lost. Mm. You're just lost. And by the way, that's walking in darkness. Mm. It uh, It says that there is no darkness in Christ. No darkness. So if you've got darkness, you are not a Christian. You have nothing with him. You have no part with him. He says that wicked one is coming and he has nothing in me. So you have to understand that there's not a middle gray area. Mm. It is white or black. There's nothing in the middle that's gray. None of that counts. If it leaves white, it's all black. Mm. If it's got any grade, there's no gradations.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You leave that path. Once you slip off over into, let's see if we can morph this plain word that uh, you didn't choose me. I chose you. If you do anything, if you try to do anything with that other than take those words at their face and understand over and over and over, it says, and all Acts 13 says, um, and the Gentiles received these words and they rejoiced. And it says, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Mm-hmm. no one else is going to believe mm-hmm. that is not free will
0: mm-hmm. before you go oh, I'm curious how did you feel about these two interviews? did you enjoy it? Did you think it was productive or useful or
1: well uh, and what I have to tell you it that first um, the amount of time we spent, Trying, keep trying to come back and rehash the free will thing. That was a little bit, that that made me feel like I'm getting into the realm when it says, "Uh, you you understand it, that that uh, you you understand the word heretic? Do you know mm. what that? Do
0: yes. You know what that means? Uh, a lie, deception.
1: A schismatic. Mm. Schismatic. It, so you, I suppose it's a lie and a deception that causes people to get into a schism. But that's what it says in Heretic, after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he, it, he is sinneth and he is uh, a perverse person. That's basically what that verse says. And so I'm saying, uh, don't go after things. Don't try to shoehorn something into those scriptures that is not there. Don't try to make things read in a way that makes it palatable to you or to someone else. You have to compare scripture to scripture. There's no confusion in those scriptures. God is not the author of confusion. Satan is the author of confusion. And um, along about uh, Jeremiah 4, the last verse says, shame and confusion covers us. That's this country. Shame and confusion. It is... So sad. I received an email today about another event happening in Oklahoma. Because we're getting ready to go to Oklahoma, where they put a drag queen in as the principal of a grade school, and next thing you know, he came in his drag and he's reading to the children, and then then they decided it was a good time to fire him. So um, we're but so I got an email from a sister saying one of my sisters. She said um, something else is going on in Oklahoma and it was this where um the these this trans so-called this boy pretending to be a girl going in the girls bathroom and and getting in a fight with three girls who apparently got the better of him mm. and goes to his grandmother who calls him they them just confusion shameful confusion and now that child is dead and where that goes from here, who knows? But I'm sure there will be some people's lives ruined. It's shame and confusion everywhere you look.
2: Mm.
1: And look what's going on. Right over here in Kansas City, where they had their Super Bowl party, the million people, and now there's a bunch of trauma. And everywhere you look, the wrath of God is pouring out upon the children. So anyway, I got to get going because I got to get someone to the doctor.
0: Well, you drive safe and uh,
1: yeah, we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you so much. Take care, Shirley. You too. Bye-bye.